And the fact is this, boys. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Hi, and welcome to The Curb Podcast. My name is Andrew F. Pierce, and I'm bringing you discussions about Australian films and culture, including interviews with people who bring it all to life. This podcast is recorded in Bulu, Perth, Western Australia, sovereignty never ceded. Madeline Dyer is a writer, actor, director, and producer whose body of work includes the 2017 comedy series Sexy Herpes, the acclaimed comedy series Colin from Accounts, where she worked with her sister Harriet Dyer, who is the actress in the, the TV show, and now her latest film, A Savage Christmas, which is out in Australian cinemas on the 16th of November 2023. The Savage Christmas tells the story of the Savage family as they meet for a sweaty summer Christmas in Queensland. After years of estrangement, trans woman Davina, played by Thea Ravenow in a stellar debut performance, returns home with her partner Kane, played by co-writer Max Jehufa. Davina's well-meaning parents, James, played by David Roberts, and Brenda, played by Helen Thompson, are still coming to terms with her transition, and in a distinctly Aussie boomerish fashion, they struggle to understand the importance of pronouns and transitioning. Davina naturally expects her transition to be the focus of the family dinner, but her brother Jimmy Jr., played by Ryan Morgan, brings a cyclone of disruption along his way with a looming debt that he owes to pay a gangster, played by Gary Sweet. Thrown into the mix is their sister, Layla, Rekha Ryan, who is yet to tell her family about the imminent divorce that she's going through. Chuck in a dodgy Uncle Dick, played by Darren Gilshanan, and a frail Pomeranian into the mix, and you've got your regular old Australian Christmas. From my perspective, A Savage Christmas is a ridiculously funny and brilliantly scripted comedy that feels like a breath of fresh air. Performances across the board are exceptional, with Thea and Max both giving stellar debut performances. Hopefully we'll see more from them in the future. Equally great is Ryan Morgan, who manages to bring a level of compassion to a familiar character type, while screen legends David Roberts, Helen Thompson, and Darren Gilshanan balance the bonkers with the grounded. In the following interview, Madeline talks about the creation of the script with co-writers Max and Daniel Mulvihill, and what it means to be able to present an authentic Queensland summer on screen. Additionally, she also talks about how she intends to forge a career in comedy on screen in Australia. The Savage Christmas is one of two Aussie Christmas films that are on the horizon with Heath Davis's upcoming Christmas soon to be released. Make sure to head along and support great Aussie films in cinemas. For now, here is a snippet of the trailer for A Savage Christmas, followed by interview with Madeline Dyer. I hate Christmas. Oh, come on, it can't be that bad. <sighs> is this turkey from Hi, James. Hey, mate. Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mummy and Daddy. Ho, ho, ho. Sorry I'm late. What happened to your face? Yeah, what happened to your face? I'm okay. Are you sure you're not Bruno Mars's hotter brother? Three years, hey? So you're now... Davina. I've always been Davina. I wanted to give you a call, but, um, well... How did you lose my number? What? Did you lose your house? Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Hit it off! Let's jump into talking about your great film. I had such a great time watching it. It's so funny and such a delight. You know, a couple of years ago, I was asking, where are all the Australian Christmas films? And then all of a sudden, like, we've had so many 
which has been so good. So let's start talking about Christmas. Let's do it. It's true. There's something there was, I love that kind of collective consciousness thing. I, I mean, there's something to be said about that, you know, definitely for us, um, the, the, the Christmas element was kind of a bit of an add on and it was coming from that, that supposed need, you know, that kind of gap. But also I think it really served at least for our story um, in which, you know, I'll, I'll go into it a tiny bit, but obviously we've got Davina, a trans chick coming back home after three years of being estranged, her last Christmas, she came out and it didn't kind of go very well and, you know, shit hit the fan, so to speak, excuse my French. So now she's coming back for another Christmas to try and have a successful one with her boyfriend in tow to try and heal some of the things that came up last time and then, you know, anything else that is there. And, of course, you know, expecting her transition to be you know, quite a focus. It's just overshadowed with everyone else's stuff. You know, things really do escalate at least. They they definitely have to maybe do it, have another do-over of a Christmas lunch. But at the same time, it does kind of tap into that, you know, those themes of forgiveness and and unconditional love and, and compassion, you know. So I I kind of do like that Christmas is is such a good vehicle into something like that. And it's it's what obviously makes sense, right? It's one of the only times you get so many people all together from a family under one roof. So that was really wonderful for us to use and lean into the Christmas thing and lean into the sentiment of that and what that means for certain family members as well, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is like there's this unifying thing about Christmas. You know, we may never see the rest of our family for the entirety of the year and then all of a sudden we're brought together. And and it's interesting you mentioned, of course, obviously Davina's coming out and transition that feels like it's going to overshadow everything. And then all of a sudden we've got all these other events and suddenly it, it makes our own issues start to feel a little bit small uh, because everybody else has got something going on. It's quite entertaining in that regard. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Those, um, I was so excited, you know, um, because this used to be a play, mind you, years and years and years ago, it's had so many incarnations and, Max, our co-writer, who's a, a, a trans dude as well, he, he came in in the last few years and really cracked it open again. But, you know, it was always really dialogue-driven and very character-driven and, and it's it's still retained a lot of that theatrical nature, like with those kind of, you know, 10-minute long table scenes and all the chaotic crossfire of, of hurt and pain. But you're right, everyone kind of had a secret or something they were sitting on in, in this and um, it was great to see that slowly unravel. This is your like feature debut directing, but it's not the first time that you've done directing. I, I remember watching Sexy Herpes and really enjoying that <laughs> and thinking it was just this brilliant kind of level of, of comedy and, and pushing into boundaries that Australian films and TV kind of haven't really gone into or a little bit afraid to go into. And I'm curious if you can talk about that desire to push the boundaries of what Australian film and TV can do. It's just always been kind of, I don't know, like, you know, without sounding wanky, I guess I have a manifesto of sorts <laughs> or like a lot of, <laughs> I did sound wanky, damn it. No, no, no um, not at all. <laughs> but I think it's so important to kind of frame exactly why you want to do this because obviously making a film or making a website, whatever you're doing in an indie kind of space, it's not easy. It's not for your health half the time. So it's like, you know, you, you want to make something commercial, but then you also want to be true to yourself and kind of really tap into the zeitgeist, the kind of, topical themes that really we need to be exploring and talking about in, you know, society at the time. So I'm always trying to make sure 
there's an, a finger on the pulse element um, with with whatever I choose to explore. And that was definitely that for Sexy Herpes and then, of course, with Savage Christmas as well. Like trying to be transgressive to a point as well because by the time you make the thing, you want to make sure it's still holding up and it's not too topical that it's like, you know, cancelled by the time you do it, but it's still kind of unravelling a, a deeper kind of, you know, set of questions we might have within us all. But, um, yeah, for me, I really like to push push the boundaries and do it in an inclusive way. I think that's the other thing. It's like the spirit of pushing boundaries has to always be inclusive and consulted adequately and all of those things as well. You can't just do shop shop factor for, for that sake. Or if you are doing that, that's a bit of a, a, a you know, dangerous line to tread, I think. So, but I think what also comes from doing this stuff is, is the amount of like community you can engage and the kind of voices you get to help facilitate and, and give, give a platform to. That's the other part of it for me. Like, particularly with Max, Max had never, you know, like he's obviously got a lot of creativity and and done lots of things within his, you know, advertising and stuff, but like to be able to write and then act on screen and have part of his story shown, like that for me gives me a lot. Like it's, it's what drives me to kind of do that. And it was similar obviously with Sexy Herpes as well. But I think it's also, yeah, just, just, just knowing your place within things like you can, you can choose to kind of be a facilitator of voices that might not be as as well heard as maybe your own, you know, and I sit here kind of as a white, relatively privileged, educated, you know, I've had an okay go of it, you know, and, and I just want to make sure I'm shining light on things that, you know, we're not talking about enough. I, Dan and I particularly, because we've written a lot of things together, obviously Sexy Herpes, and he obviously co-wrote on A Savage Christmas. We've always just had this philosophy around use comedy as a vehicle to get right in there and then get them in the guts if you can you know, it's something a little bit deeper. So what's that writing relationship like? How does that work? Does somebody come up with an idea? Is there a writer's room? How does it work on page? Well, look, for Dan and I particularly, we've had such a long-standing um, working relationship. And particularly for us, it's normally, you know, going out, having a few drinks or meeting up and having a coffee and just 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 shooting the shit a bit, like having a bit of a back and forth or, you know, getting hooked on a character and building out. And we're both actors, so we've, we've come from that kind of background where, you know, a bit of role play or, you know, trying out a character for size isn't such a crazy idea. So there's a little bit of that that happens. And particularly for us, we'll just plant the seeds a bit. And I'm a bit more of a muser and he's a bit more of a, a spewer. Like he'll just go and just get something out. He doesn't care what it looks like. He's happy to do that. Whereas I kind of tick over a bit longer. Then he normally has something and then I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I'll do a bit more of a kind of reorganisation and a, and things will grow from there often. At least that was our working relationship. But with A Savage Christmas, we had Hoodlum a production company in Queensland, amazing. They were so supportive of kind of where our um, script was at that they were like, let's get a writer's room on this. Let's get some other exciting, cool minds to get in and unpick it or do whatever we've got to do to kind of make it lift again. Um, and that's what happened for for us with this. So Max came in and a few other really amazing people and just started to to crack it open again and and obviously Max's side of of the queer experience started to really lend itself quite beautifully to what we were doing um so we lent in with that and got him involved but the writers room process i think if if you're lucky enough to have it it's it's just imperative because you know you've got all these other kind of ways in and and people interrogating things that you you've got blind spots as a creative you always will so it's nice to have 
those those other angles coming at it as well. The film is distinctly Queenslandish as well, uh, which I really appreciate. I grew up in Queensland, so I got that vibe of you know there's rugby, there is that that there's certain Queensland weather which is just you don't get anywhere else. How important is it to show that slice of Australia and and what it means to be a Queenslander on screen? Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's true. I think um. You're right. Like just having China, I wanted it to feel like I wanted it to be the because obviously we're so used to the Americanized Christmas movies and it's snowing and it's romantic and it's a bit corny and whatever. But like I was like, let's just you know, let's show the heat of it and let's show the real searing Queensland esque, you know, the queen even the Queenslander that we set the house in and stuff. We're trying to make sure it was, and you know, the the barefoot kind of football in the afternoon with the family and all of those things that we've come to really appreciate as, you know, Queenslanders, Australians, you know, having that suburban feel as well. But I think it was really important just to show there's, yeah, there's something a little bit unapologetic too about Queenslanders. They kind of, and and there's something also salt of the earth about them as well. And I just was really kind of mindful to caretake or have that kind of thread going through as much as possible. Yeah. I think, I think the other thing is, it's just like not being scared to localize it. You know, often we're always told you've got to think global. If you want your project to travel, you know, you're going to have to. And we did have a bit of that from our um, international distributor saying, hey, can we can we work in a bit of snow somewhere or a bit of like that kind of white Christmas? And we're thinking, come on, it's Queensland. It's like 38 degrees. It's not much we can do. And then funnily enough, what I like about our brains and what we're able to do is it really did start to make sense factoring the white Christmas in through Brenda's eyes and having this really traditional-esque wanting in her um, as opposed to kind of everyone else's kind of more haphazard approaches to Christmas. Um, So we were able to find a meeting point there, but, you know, I tried my best to just lean in as much as possible to localising it and because that's the truth, right? Like, you know, you've got to really kind of just be truth, truthful at the end of the day with with what you're trying to do. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago and they mentioned Colin from Accounts and they'd got onto it from watching Deadlock and they're like, oh, the Australianness of Deadlock is really exciting. And then they found Colin from Accounts on somewhere in America and they're like, oh, some of these words have actually become part of the American vernacular because they're getting to hear it. Because of. Yes, exactly right. And I think... Uh, that I was going to bring up Colin actually because obviously working on that too and and knowing you know kind of the process for Harry and Patty like what I love is that it was unapologetically localized and Australian and and there's something badass in that because it's like no no this will travel because it's good and it's true and um, yeah I I definitely took a lot of um, inspiration from that doing so well and knowing that we can trust. And, you know, even if we are a bit more mumbly and broad and, and bogan sounding, because there's the other thing of like, oh, be careful with your your Aussie actors. You know, sometimes they can get a bit bogan. It's like, well, that's, that's, that's who we the are. Point, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. I, I, and we, we take delight in in the localised aspects of, of, you know, cinema across the world yeah. too. That's what makes it so special to us. So it's the same for us as well. But um, I love that you picked up on that. So true. So let's talk about building out the cast because there is so many, you know, iconic Australian actors in there, but then there's a whole bunch of new actors too. And I'm curious how you went about making sure that you had the right people for the right roles. 100%. And like, honestly, I, I knew 
particularly with an ensemble cast like this, the casting was like the most important thing to nail. I mean, there's heaps of other things, but I have Chicken and Chips on. Um, they're from Sydney and, and I love them because they really cast the net far and wide. They really like to try and find untapped gems. Um, but at the same time as well, I knew that, you know, if we were going to have two trans actors on set that had never done a film before, um, we needed to kind of make sure there was a nice mix of experience and and people coming through. So I was mindful of that kind of, you know, what that balance would look like. But funnily enough, I I had just obviously worked inadvertently with Helen Thompson and David Roberts through Colin from Accounts. I'd known Darren Gilshannon for a while, Gary Sweet, I'm mates with, and Rachel, of course, Rachel Griffiths. So, you know, I knew I had people to call on, obviously, if it, if it felt right for the role. Um, but what I was really mindful of, at least with with everybody, was having a generosity of spirit. Like there are some actors that will just go there and and love that kind of process of collaborating. And you know, especially with an indie film, you know, with not much money and and time, you, I needed that to be a thing. And so obviously, I was mindful of that as well. And you know, my experience cast were nothing but amazing and so supportive of the emerging actors coming through. Um, and really made it a safe environment for them to to really step up and so yeah um it was it was a careful kind of mixing of of all of that but but i think at the end of the day i had really passionate amazing actors that wanted to be there for the story and for what it was kind of serving beyond beyond their role i guess as well and it's it's quite clear as well that there's no egos either like everybody's given their yeah. own space to actually be a character and nobody's outshining anybody yeah. else, which is really wonderful. It, that actually was, that's such a lovely point. Like it's true, you know, and, and also at the same time, you know, we knew we had quite a few characters with their own stuff going on and, and trying to find how to tie that up enough or at least make the promise of, you know, that, that a character's changing by the end and moving to a new space or, you know, a dynamics shifted, like, um, we were really, I was really careful to try and make sure everyone got their moment in the sun, if you will, as well. Um, but at the same time, there was never any of this stuff. Like, and, and again, that, that, that's, that can put up a bit of resistance, right? Especially in a bigger group of people, uh, you know, if, if there is a little bit of that ego coming through, it can make it harder to kind of get the job done. I just had team players, you know? Mm. Um, and I think also pretty much all of the experienced actors have, have had like a really good background in, in theatre. And there's, you know, we were doing the workshopping on the day because sometimes, you know, you don't have the resources to do heaps of rehearsals. And so, you know, we'd be sitting there going, actually, this doesn't sound right. This is bumping me. And then, of course, if someone changes one thing, it's going to change this course of events for the other people at the table. So some of it was very like in a theatre kind of rehearsal, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, again, takes people that have that joy of discovery and want to kind of you know, there's a certain kind of mindset you've got to tap into to do that kind of work. Yeah, I always think of like Christmas and we think of sitting around the table and all this kind of stuff. And it must be such a delight to be able to present a family Christmas meal on screen. Like that's always such a showpiece event and it's so brilliant here. Can you talk about constructing that moment? Oh, it was honestly, for me, that was what I was looking forward to most was all of the table scenes because even though I was like, you know, quite scared to kind of cover them adequately and do all of that stuff. I was like, if I can, if I can get these firing, it's going to be just so juicy to watch like a tennis match. Like who's going to speak next? What's happening? And all the crossfire, you know, but like even, even Fung, Xing Fung Chung, who I worked with, um, who's a cinematographer, you know, we, 
we knew we weren't going to be able to go with our plans on the day. Things were always going to change naturally. But, you know, we were doing our kind of blocking diagrams and, and camera set and, and it was just every eye line was a different camera setup. So it was just, it was so intense what we were trying to do with some of those things, at least in terms of coverage and making sure we were doing that. So that was one of the, the technical challenges, of course. But then it was just making sure it all felt real instead of right. So, you know, just making sure that we knew where every character was with their, I guess, alliances with each other and what they were sitting on. And, and that's so fun. Like it's, 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 I was constantly finding new things within the script because of that, because there was just so much in it. Um, and then of course, just really, I really just had to trust my actors. They, they had the authority over their characters. They knew it was feeling right or not, or not right, real or not. And, um, yeah, I was really leaning into that as well, just to make sure it was just all firing. And look, we, we had two days in a sweltering Queenslander. I think they said like one of those 10 minute table scenes, I think they did it about 50 times. Like, and, and exactly, and it's weird because how it was written, it, you can't help but, like, I, I noticed them, like, that some of them needed to just take a moment and, you know, maybe 50% it because they weren't on camera, like, just take, a, take it down a bit. But they all just kept going full bore almost so that the actor on screen was getting what, you know, because, again, that there's that other thing when you're not on screen, how much do you give your partner or give your other actors? And they were all just serving every take. It was insane. Needless to say, they were cooked after that but it was wonderful to watch oh yeah and it's i mean that's the thing that i'm the whole film is a lot of fun but it's those it's kind of like the last third of it which is just really ramps up and it's so and that's when it kicks into the real high energy gear that i was laughing a lot there it's a it's really entertaining that aspect but you're talking about supporting like the actors supporting other actors but i'm curious for you as a director like you worked as a director's attachment with Rachel Griffiths and Crib Stenders. I'm curious what you learnt from them as directors that you were able to support the actors uh, and implement that into your work. Definitely. I um, I was so lucky to obviously have Rachel and Crib because they're awesome. And particularly with Rachel, I had five months on Ride Like a Girl. So it was a really, and obviously so many moving parts to that film, recreating Melbourne Carp, working with horses, children and animals, all of the things that you're not supposed to do if you want it to be a cruisy run, right? Um, but, you know, I loved Rachel. She really let me step up. But what I loved about um, how she works, she's very kinesthetic and she was very just in her gut, you know. She just trusted her gut on things. Um, it wasn't so much, like, you know, there's obviously the cerebral elements, but you know, you're in the moment then and there. And I really loved that. And that was something that I started to tap into myself. And um, so again, when I'm watching my actors and working with my actors, it's about the feeling of it, uh, not so much about some some of the kind of cerebral aspects. It was just like making sure it felt right. And then for me as well, I know because I've done acting as well, and Rachel was the same, just checking in with your actors after, like, how did that feel? Instead of like coming back, coming over and just going, okay, great, let's try it like this. It's like getting that check-in first, collaborating, gauging, and then kind of building from there. So you're always meeting your actor, you know, you're not kind of just coming over with your own agenda, I guess. And so that's a bit of a scary place to live because if your actor, and sometimes actors will say, and I'm so glad that I had this, again, I was trying to create a safe space for everyone in this because it's quite triggering for a lot of people what we're dealing with being, you know, family stuff. And, you know, when, when an actor wasn't happy or feeling great, 
and they were visibly feeling it, which was probably part of the scene as well. It's it's a bit scary. It's like, oh God, what do we do? Like, how do we how do we get through this? But again, if you've got that trust there, you just talk it through, you nut it out, you give everyone a second, and then you you find something new and you crack through into a new way that I can't do on my own. No one can to a point. Um, so. For me, it was very, it was always just this collaborative spirit that I, I really kind of learnt to, and, and Creve was the same as well. Like he's just, I like Creve because he just gets out of the way of actors too. He just lets things be. And that's the other thing. You don't have to come over and have all this direction all the time. You can just feel that they're in a good spot. Let's go again, see what we find. And that's the other part too. That's, again, that's a, a gut thing. It's like these actors are firing. Let's just roll into some more. We're tonally where we need to be. Our parameters are set. Let's just have some fun with this. I mean, what I love about what you do and, and what everybody that you've worked with does is this whole sense of community, right? It's such a vital, important thing. And I know that like it, it makes sense obviously you need a whole community to be able to make a film or a TV series and all this kind of stuff it's not it's not a you know silly thing to to realize but it's nice to hear it in practice and I'm curious if you can talk about what it means to have built up and worked with the the same kind of people for years and being able to craft and create this voice on screen of you know quite funny things as well in an Australian sense. I think I think again like because because that is part of like how we as filmmakers, like when I talk about we I mean like Max and then Dan, our co-writer and co-producer, and then Ben McNeil, our co-producer, we all knew that we had to just create like a real family, like excuse, you know, the the pun in a sense, like a real extended savage family, or else we weren't going to be able to do what we wanted to do within our constraints and stuff. And you know, it was wonderful even from the crew side because we had the Gold Coast pumping with Nautilus and all these kind of big productions overseas. Most of the crew were, you know, a lot of kind of go-tos were taken and busy and and then it was like, okay, well, who else is there? Do you have anyone? To, and and so a lot of a lot of crew members got to step up or or be given be given a role that they might not normally have gotten, which I loved as well. So there was also that safety there to 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 trust them and let them kind of find themselves. And I think that was kind of the spirit of the whole thing was just letting people step up and and kind of that trust there as well. And everyone felt validated because of that. Everyone felt like the morale was great because everyone felt appreciated and they were also getting to do something new or or something challenging for them. And I think it, it stopped the, the whole process being a bit of a phone it in or a bit of a kind of, oh, this is just another film I did. <laughs> Who cares? Like it was, it was more than that. It was about the kind of cultivation of that family feel and slightly like that unconditional vibe you'd like to have where you can get through anything together and that bonding that happens. And Helen even said it at the Q&A we had the other day. She was just like, we all just pitched in and we were all just part of like the team you know it was just always about that so that was I think what was the the underlying fuel for for this um and what allowed us to kind of you know bring it to screen properly and and have that chance and and it's it's not lost on us like if it if it if the wheels fell off and it you know there were toxic elements or it wasn't feeling right here there and everywhere you know chances are we wouldn't be able to do this again and and we know (laughs) it's like yeah, you kind of, you, you know what the stakes are too when you're an indie filmmaker. You're like, this is my shot. So with that in mind, what, where do you want to go as a filmmaker? What do you want to do? Is it working in comedy? 
Yeah, I think, yeah, totally. And and um, I particularly love it and I, I just love what it offers and particularly with certain themes or ideas that I even kind of feel like are bubbling away in my in my subconscious. Like I know that comedy is my go-to for that. There's a couple of projects Dan and I have going. We, we do have a road movie that we want to try and get up next year, which is kind of set in Townsville and then goes even further up into the deep north. Um, which I think would be amazing. It's kind of like a Thelma and Louise version 5.0 or God knows what, but it's, you know, in that space to a point. Again, I'm I'm really happy because I get to work on Colin again. I'm going to come up and, and do an episode there and I'm working obviously on this ABC comedy and that's different as well because I'm just, you know, I'm not maybe across the whole creative process um, from earlier Genesis um, I'm kind of just coming in and then seeing what I can do and obviously trying to respect whatever the parameters are or how much rope I'm given to, you know, build out on a few things or not. But, um, yeah, definitely comedy for me and just, again, I always kind of, what I love about this ABC comedy is it's so inclusive. You know, we've got neurodiversity at the fore in terms of what we're covering in in this show and that for me, again, is is something that I I'm very passionate about and so I'm just going to make sure that every project I'm doing is just clicking back in with any kind of social stuff that's important to you know align with. How do you balance then deciding what you're going to do as an actor versus a writer versus a director? Good question. <laughs> um, I think I think I think um, I mean I haven't had it yet but I think you know if, if things continue to be okay like I'll have to just know when to say no as well. I think there's particularly in our kind of industry it's it's cottage and you know there's such boom and bust to it and especially when you're subcontracting and doing more a multidisciplinary thing it's like you get scared like where's my next job going to come from right and it's fair enough to want to take this or do that maybe it's not fully what you're jazzed about but I've got to pay the bills type thing so I understand all of that but I'd like to have that freedom to sometimes just hold out and and wait for the right kind of team and and project that really speaks because I think I think as well, you know, you want to keep harnessing your creative voice, whatever that looks like, and and not betray that too early on um, because it's still galvanising and it's still, I know for me, I'm still kind of figuring out exactly what that is. And the more true to it you can be, I guess, the the more you'll find your spot and, and what you do best and what you're known for. So, yeah, it's just going to be something I'll be mindful of. But I've been so lucky because, Colin, everyone's just such a good team on that and the Austin Northern Pictures team, insanely great. So I'm, I've am i had a good run so far. Dan and I want to obviously do this movie and, and engage, like, similar Queensland talent again and even kind of get the Northern regions involved this time and and um, give people a chance to kind of get involved. Cape York has not really been seen on screen all that much and you know it's such a cinematic place you know (laughs) it is it's the red dirt stuff i mean we're getting there we've got we've we've had some wonderful shows and films that are are doing that i yeah but the kind of again i just i know that region well and i it's probably part of you know sticking to writing what you know or at least writing the truth of, of of a world and so the north queensland kind of element is definitely kind of there for me so I do like to return to that and kind of keep trying to represent that as best as possible but you're right you know and a road movie too allows you to kind of really you know 
feel out those landscapes and really honour them as well. So, yeah, it would be great if I can get up there. Obviously, hopefully not in the middle of summer, yeah. <laughs> which obviously Savage Christmas was. It was obviously January. It was like, wow, okay, what a, what a time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it would be great to do it. You shot at the beginning of this year, didn't you, as well? Yeah. How, yeah. how does it feel to be, like, now that it's... I know. I think that's the thing. There was, like, such a run-on. Like, there was a run-on end of last year to be like, okay, get these scripts in shape, all the... Ducks are, ducks are in a row, people are coming in with investment, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're going. We're, this this train is leaving the station. And then obviously it was the same. We are very, very, like, exhausted after the shoot because it was so condensed and, and, and potent, I guess, in what we had to do. But, you know, the edit, and then we kind of got it all delivered and then it was like, oh, okay. You know, it's like when you kind of, as a kid, do a painting or something, you want to show everyone and be like, look at what I did. And you have to just then wait for, like, six months and sit on it. Which wasn't a bad thing in a way. It was it was great to have a bit of space and time, because obviously normally it just kind of keeps rolling through because there's no kind of um, delay there. But um, it's been really lovely to come back to it now with some preview screenings and 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 have that time to kind of reflect and and you know have ideas marinate off off the back of what you've done. So yeah, it's it's been quite kind of cool and quite. I think it's served us quite well having a little bit of a breather. Um, before the Christmas release. Um, but, yeah, definitely felt like a little bit of a stop-start, like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to go. I want to talk about this. I'm proud of what I've done. Let's go. And then it's like, okay, just wait. Just hold hold back. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess otherwise then you'd be waiting till either Christmas in July next year or, you know, Christmas at the end of next year, which is just so hard and all this. So It's all of that. And I guess the other thing was, like, festivals too. It's like timing the festivals festivals you know to, to the point where a christmas film is too early because we know what it's like when you see the christmas decorations in coles at you know you know september and you're like hang on this is a bit too soon i don't want to see this um so yeah it, it was all of that but like you know i guess the only other great thing about christmas movies is you do tend to revisit them a little bit more each year um, and what I love about, I don't know about you, but when I watch a film, sometimes I watch a film and then the next time I do, it's I, I have such a different experience again and or, or different questions that come up or, or things I want to kind of think on. And I'm hoping that there's a bit of a return, a returnable factor to for, for engagement with this film, you know, that it'll keep kind of people keep coming back to it and seeing new things in it or whatever. So hopefully that happens. I, I think so. I mean, because like for me... The, like we as I mentioned we didn't really have very many Christmas films in Australia and it's like Wake and Fright is a Christmas film because it's set around Christmas time and it's like I'm not putting that on at Christmas time so it's lovely that I've got these kinds of films you know Sunburn Christmas now Savage Christmas that are these lighter yes. films that yes. to sit with yeah it's wonderful well yeah and I think the other thing too um we got Christmas as well Heath Davis's films coming out too and I love Heath and such a supporter we both are of each other and what what I kind of like about I mean his is obviously a different tone again but like, this isn't like a kind of family friendly it's not like something the kids will kind of go and watch as much and I was like I kind of like that this is a Christmas film that's a little bit more for an adult audience because we are used to those kind of more you know child friendly films which is also wonderful and wholesome and what it's about but I kind of like that we've got this drunky fighty kind of bitey um, film, which again just gives it its little niche, I suppose. Well, that's what Aussie Christmases are like, which is a delight. You know, it's great. But yeah, what I was going to say earlier is that 
in a selfish manner, I'm really excited to see where you go as a filmmaker and, and creative because I love what you're doing. Again, you know, Colin is great. Sexy Herpes is wonderful. This is a delight. So I'm really fascinated to see where you go because we need more vi more voices like your own bringing up all these great people on screen. Uh, it's fantastic. So that means a lot. It really does mean a lot. Yeah, I will. I'll just keep. I'll get. I'll just keep trying to get those peeps out there that that need to be seen and heard. I'm you sure. know. As you should. Um, well, thank you again for your time talking about A Savage Christmas. It's oh, been an absolute pleasure. delight. Thank you. Oh, honestly, it was the best. It was so good.